This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Headstuff Podcast Network, but not from Headstuff Studios. This is Wonderful Core, the Quarantine Sessions, a socially distanced podcast about words, Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I'm Derek O'Shea. I'm Emer Duffy. Emer, how are you getting on? I'm good. I'm very far away, but I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm glad. I'm glad to be reconnecting with my amazing podcast team because it's been a it's been a hard hour stretch. It's only so many walks you can take babies for. <laughs> there's only so many walks you can take babies for, and there's only so many times you can watch the same episodes of Parks and Rec in the office. Yeah, I saw um, a thing on Facebook there where it was like, "Oh, I'm really grateful that I don't have kids right now," and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so happy I don't have kids right now." <laughs> Well, you know what? Like, I mean, um, uh, yes, but also that they're a joy. <laughs> yeah, I get you. I think it's. Um, a, I get you. I think it's yeah. Like, I, I can definitely. I think that, you know, the divisions have been have been revealed by the by COVID nineteen. One of which is the division between the child free and the the child child the the parents, and as the, the worm has turned in many ways. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about Irish Twitter. It's it's been a weird thing. It's way it's connected people. Some people say it's a force that tears people apart, but I think maybe it's it's connected people. People talk Irish about Twitter it. brought us together, Derek. It certainly did, and I was like, I I never probably if I had decided to go out and independently research someone to find someone to help me with the old Irish work in my book, I probably you and I never would have met, but. Uh, we we were we met <laughs> chatting on Twitter, and then you, I know I, I noticed you were studying something that I was interested in that I didn't know much about myself, and you were able to help me out, and it was amazing. Ta-da! <laughs> yes, and when people think if you ask a regular a journalist, a a father who has a son a column in a Sunday newspaper, what Irish Twitter is, they'll tell you it's politically yeah politically active, left leaning, very pop culture literate and maybe very funny and but very enough very about engaged. me Derek tell me about you <laughs> very engaged with what's going on in the world particularly the relationships between these islands the European Union at large and the whole wider world and if I was going to pick a single person on Twitter 
who represents what you know this whole phenomenon of Irish Twitter, why it's different from British Twitter, American Twitter, all that other stuff. I would say it is a, an account called Kira eighty seven C. Would you say that's correct, Emer? Would you concur with my analysis? I mean, I'm sad that it's not me, but <laughs> I think I have to agree with you on this one. And it just so happens we have her on the line. Guys, I'm scandered. What an introduction. <laughs> I feel like it's what the people want, though. <laughs> it um, certainly is. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? Good. For those for those of, of our listeners who aren't familiar with um, Kira's work, Kira's work uh, on Twitter, her oeuvre, Kira is an Irish girl, a woman who is living in London town, who moved right before all that stuff happened, and has maybe been, been keeping a an unofficial record of these very these very turbulent times between these two islands with with Brexit, with various um, other issues, um, elections, all sorts of things happening. The, she's documented the emigrant experience with great wit and great empathy and, and, and has not taken any shite from anyone. <laughs> in the so what you're saying is the epicentre of Irish Twitter is in London. <laughs> Listen, it was always this way. It sure wasn't, wasn't the GAA founded in London. <laughs> Listen, if it was good enough for some of the revolutionaries, it's good enough for me. Look, I can't argue there. We can't argue there. <laughs> Do you have a favourite revolutionary, Kira? Oh, Casement, absolutely. Just because he was a babe. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, Casement no. does have hot barista energy. It's actually probably Connolly, but I just, obviously, Casement's a popular choice because of I mean, very obvious reasons. Casement looks like the kind of guy who, if you were chatting to him on a night out, would tell you all about like the decent flat whites that he makes. <laughs> oh no, don't ruin it for me, man. <laughs> oh no, like I still think he's an out and out babe and like a total legend. But I mean, you know, 2020, uh, maybe pre-lockdown when bars were still th- a thing and pints tasted nice. Oh, remember those? Oh, do you remember them? <laughs> Weren't they lovely? Weren't they so good? Just oh, in memory. Yeah. Um, I think we know yeah. Casement would be, uh, after maybe five or ten minutes conversation, he'd be rolling up his sleeve, showing you the, the tattoo he got in Thailand and the tattoo yeah. he got in Cambodia. He'd be drinking something really pretentious as well, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, probably. I think, yeah, he'd, yeah he'd, he'd probably be ordering, yeah, that, an old-fashioned. Oh, but see, I like old-fashioned. <laughs> something with bitters, with, with Angostina bitters, something like that. I like them too, yeah. they're nice, but like, I mean, I'd never make one at home. Well, no, of course not. And now, yeah, now, now the situation we're in, the basically the only cocktails I'm making are straight whiskey. <laughs> I mean, mine's just pretty much wine. Wine just <laughs> for everything, just because it means I don't have to pour more than one drink at a time. So it's like, doesn't involve other mixers, just straight from the bottle into the glass. That's yeah. fairly solid, yeah. And since I have can... been making my way through uh, Little's gin selection. <laughs> I was looking at you. Yeah, it uh, great. Like it's grand. I'm getting locked. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't like gin. I know the engine. I know gin's very cool at the moment, but I just yeah, I'm not a big fan. But yeah, but so anyway, um, Kira, when did you move to London? I moved to London on my 29th birthday, so Ooh. that was about three and a half years ago. Okay, so that's so. Uh, 
midway mid, midway 2016? Yeah, September 2016. So, okay, so it had happened. The election had happened. Mm. And you moved from one part of the political United Kingdom that didn't agree with this, you know, <laughs> with the Brexit vote to another part of the United Kingdom that didn't agree with this Brexit yeah. vote. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've come from a place that has often disagreed with the political opinions <laughs> of, the, of other sections of the UK. So, you know, that was nothing new. Yeah. And so, obviously, you get said that there are still opportunities and, things, and there uh, when, like, how, how quickly did you feel that you had, that you were in the, it was in, in the middle of a very different kind of, um, how quickly did you start feeling very different to um, what's I, going on? I think it was the differences in language that started to get used. I mean, we've, I've often joked and we've talked about it before, like on Twitter, about the certain aspect of paddywhackery that exists over here. Um, a lot of it used to just kind of be said in banter. Like, not that I ever found it particularly funny, but you could tell that people weren't saying it like maliciously and it was more just something that was ingrained in their language and stuff as opposed to sounding out of malice. But mm-hmm. now, like, there's a big difference in people definitely feeling more emboldened that like they can put a bit of oomph behind the uh, the words that they're using and the things that they're saying and they feel like they're justified in doing it. So yeah, there has that was definitely a change. There was a bit of a difference from being lads just giving me a bit of banter in the smoking area between like people aggressively saying things. That was probably the main difference. Things about Ireland and Irish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, just things like yeah, you know the usual stereotypical paddywhackery things about like if you if if I said something silly, for example, I was being particularly Irish, you know, because that was the thing, and uh, Ooh, yeah, having a paddy. Yeah, so yeah, that was that was the main thing. Like I remember when I first moved here, um, I had a friend that I was staying with, and she had she had a way in, and uh, her kid was like throwing a temper tantrum, and she didn't even she didn't even blink with like just screaming at the kid being like oh stop having such a patty and I'd be like, and I'd be like I am standing right here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like it's funny because like, that's just stuff that's ingrained in their language and she didn't necessarily know she didn't really even know that that was a thing that stemmed from um anything to do with Irishness she'd never really thought about it before and didn't know and to be fair like to be fair to her obviously I pointed it out and said uh could you not <laughs> and she was like she was like oh I'm sorry I didn't know that's where I came from and blah, blah. and then she said she would stop but that's just it's just a thing that's in their language and this is a funny thing because I've had this same experience when people saying well duh and other things I'm saying I mean you may and I generally lead with you may not have realized that's actually yeah, that, yeah, has, yeah. that has enabled us truth and, and generally when people hear that they they don't double down. They say, "Oh God, now that I know that, that makes perfect sense." Like yeah. I, every time I hear it now, it, it, it sticks out. But one of the kind of recurring traditions that Irish will experience is, has been a kind of a, a doubling down with certain Irish tropes, particularly say when certain Irish actors or famous sports people are identified as British by accident. Um, rather than say Saoirse Ronan being the most famous example, mm. being, you know, being I mean, British is star. it by accident? <laughs> This is the thing. Whereas, if say you had misident- if you misidentified, said Gerard Depardieu uh, was English, mm. so as um, bro, he's he's French. You say, oh yikes, sorry, whoops. Okay, boy, is my face red? Yeah, but I, I feel like those things wouldn't happen though. Like yeah. they wouldn't happen because I think that the, the issue the issue is is that we get we are so closely associated 
with Britain that people just think it's like oh, six of one, half a dozen of the other, that they don't think mm. it's a big deal if they, if they make that mistake. And this is the thing, because I know it happens to Sharon Horgan a lot, and they will say, she was born in London. And I was like, you look that up, because you wouldn't take my word for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, poor old Sharon Horgan, yes, she was technically born in London, but she... Well, was she I born mean, to Irish? I don't know anything about her. Was she yeah, born to Irish born, born, born to Irish parents. And but was he then? You go, there you young. go. And Irish the same way, like, Des Lynham was born in Ireland, but we know that, like, he's an Englishman. He, I don't, yeah. he, he considers himself to be English. We, we're not going to take that from him if that's his identity. You know, it's, this is a, yeah, this is a yeah. thing. But, so, I mean, this is, a, I suppose, a lot of... A lot of it's, it seems mad to think now at that a couple of years right before the Brexit vote, you know, there was a very successful royal visit to Ireland and Anglo-Irish relationships were at an all-time high. Like after the, after the Queen visited Ireland, I think it was in 2011, um, people thought, you know, this is, um, things, are, things are going swimmingly, these two islands are getting on great. And then when the, after the Brexit vote, it, it, we, I suppose for a lot of Irish people, that was, it was a journey to get to that point. It was a... Um, it was an, it, there was there was a bit of internal examination to get to the point to accept these complexities in our own identity, to um, and then, but that that we we had maybe maybe some people had assumed that a similar journey had happened in the UK or in in England especially, and it hadn't, and this became very obvious that right that one of the first things about and on the days after the Brexit vote was what about the border and it just had not been a thought been a factor. Mm. Irish at that visit, didn't she? She did. Ugh, John Oxcarja. But it yeah. was, and people were so impressed by those few words. I mean, like it's, it was one of those things. Like, um, I mean, like it, it seems when there's a like, it's one of those bar on the floor, bar is on the floor moments. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we're letting the we're letting the monarchy away with a few Irish words. We're doing, they're doing pretty well for themselves. And when, can, yeah. we compare, can we compare it to when RuPaul tweeted an Irish, well, like, hang on a second. Is it really correct to say Jay and Crack? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure we got away with saying crap like that in the Gale Fox as well. So <laughs> if, it, if it was good enough for us, probably good enough for RuPaul. I think so. But it was, but yeah, so this, and you have, um, you, you have shared on occasion um, screen grabs from either DMs or from Tinder in showing maybe a, a, a lack of understanding of, Irishness and our Ireland in in London in general and maybe the yeah. England maybe more more in general. Yeah, my my favorite is the one that I the one that I just always always get because it obviously says that I'm Irish in my in my bio. Not that that's necessary when my name is Kira McShane, but fine. <laughs> um, it, it like so the the message will always be top of the morning to you and. It doesn't matter what time they send it at. They might send Aww. it. At, it might might send it at eight o'clock at night, and it'll still be top of the morning. See, I'm just like read it back, but you just say it. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Just, it's I, 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 it just astonishes me because I mean, I think I, I, I'm trying to imagine what the the equivalent for England would be. You know, um, it just yeah, it, it boggles the mind. No, but like, but uh, why are they so fascinated? Like, I mean, we're not even an hour's flight away. Like, we're we're right there. Like, we shouldn't be like a novelty. Yeah, but I get this all the yeah. time. So we're an hour away. But then, like, the might of like guys that say I've spoken to in a bar or whatever, and, and they then just haven't a clue. 
Yeah, and they'll say, they'll say, oh, I've always wanted to go to Ireland. And I'm like, oh, well, it's a good thing that it's only 20 quid in a flight in an hour away and not exactly like top of a bucket list. Like, <laughs> it's not like, it's not like one of those things, like, you're like really, like, it's unattainable and you think, oh, I'm going to save up loads of money to go and do it. You can literally get a, well, obviously not right now, but yeah. you could have <laughs> literally just got like a, lazy little flight and jumped there and been there in an hour. Mm. It's, it's if a funny thing. If you didn't thing, like flying, you could take the ferry. Exactly. Not like from Liverpool because that's eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> but Scotland for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ferries are great. You, I mean, anyone who goes on or off a ferry, they always end up with a story. This is true. I actually did. Go, I got ferry from, there was one, I think it was at like Christmas two or three years ago. I can't remember what maybe two years ago. I um, had lost my passport and was waiting on you when to come. Um, so couldn't fly. And I needed to get the ferry. So I had to get the train from London to Liverpool and then do Liverpool Belfast. And I was on this really, really packed ferry. It was like Christmas Eve. There were so many people on it. I couldn't get a cabin. It was overnight. It was eight hours. I had to just sit in the middle of this like bar area, sit up straight trying to sleep. Oh and no. No, it was awful. But then like uh, one of the guys that worked there felt really sorry for me. So he came and got me and like gave me, took me on a big walk around the ship and a big tour and took me up like to the top deck to meet oh, like uh, to meet to the guy, the, the captain who was sailing the boat and the staff that was working on it. And they were all so enthusiastic about showing me all the cool things that they were doing. And then they gave me a staff cabin for the night as well. What? No way. I know. Wow. I know. I know. Yeah, that happened. The perks of being chatty, I guess. Absolutely. That is phenomenal. <laughs> I know. I love a tour of a ferry. Oh, it was class. It was literally, like, I've never seen, one of the, the captain was a woman, so she was so enthused that, like, another one was coming up to get to see that she was the woman captain, <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> and they had, like, these little parts of the, the deck where it was, like, clear, and you could see right down into the ocean underneath, and she was, like, bringing me over, and she's like, look at this, look at this, like, pure loving it. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. <laughs> I know, it was sweet. Yeah, I don't think I've been on a ferry. No, oh, you gotta go. How are you living on an island, Emer, and haven't been on a ferry? I know. Um, well, I mean, I was on, like the foot passenger ones that are in Amsterdam that take like two minutes. Yeah. Well, like that doesn't really count though, does it? Fairness, no. when you grow up on the West Coast, maybe the ferry options are less limited. I mean, there's a, I think when you, when you, when you what, like on the East Coast, you, you're more likely to take those ferries. I remember we used to get the ferry to France a couple of times when we were small. And yeah, in fairness, the it's the wrong century to be getting a boat from the West of Ireland that goes anywhere. Guys, <laughs> how do you, guys, how do you explain our man in that situation? Yeah. <laughs> Well, Arma is a, um, I suppose, yeah, Go on. <laughs> beautiful part of the country. I was in Arma. Thank you. Uh, Thanks. I was in, I was in Arma um, some some years back at a conference, and yes, it's a. Well, it was Arma town, but the actual countryside was is especially gorgeous around there. It's yes, it's, it's a lovely part of the world. It's very pretty. Yeah, it is nice. That's all I'll say at the matter. But yeah, so it's and. So obviously the big thing now is that, I mean, um, obviously since, not just since the, the COVID, I mean, we, none of us knew as well as the moment kind of things were going to lock down and there's probably a lot of us thought if we, if we had, you know, two more days, we would have done, done these things and those things. But 
it's living away from from your home and your family uh, is hard for immigrants everywhere. But maybe it maybe feels particularly intense when you know you can't just kind of go back at a moment's notice. And I think a lot of people are feeling that now. And uh, you you had mentioned this a couple um, online, and I thought maybe. Um, I suppose you, homesickness is something that even even in places as relatively close flight wise as London is something that's always there. Yeah, I think the difference is because like in a normal situation, like you said, like London's very close and in a normal situation you could just kinda of go home whenever you want. But mm-hmm. uh obviously in a situation like lockdown, uh I mean London may as well be the other side of the world because it doesn't matter how close it is, you still can't get home. And I know that's fair enough. It, it's the same for pretty much everyone even at home right now because they still can't go and see their families. But I just think when you're when you're diaspora, what I tried to explain to people the other day as well, that you you split uh, time up into like chunks. So everything is like relative of when the, to when you'll next be home. So mm-hmm. when you go home at Christmas, like I was really sad that I was leaving my mommy at the airport and we had all the hugs and kisses and she was crying. It was like, oh, come on, look, I'll be back at Easter. It's only a few months, be grand. And then... So that was fine. And I was kind of fine for a few months. Even when lockdown first kicked in, I was still fine because I'm used to, I was still used to being away from home for that long. Yeah. Um, so that hadn't really changed. It was just when Easter kicked in and I was like, all right, well, this is when I would have been home now. So that period has passed. So now I feel super homesick. So I was like, it was sad, but I was pretty grand up until Easter. But then that, then it really hit. And I was like, no, so I've missed that. I've missed that period now. And I don't know when it's going to be. And because you have the uncertainty and you don't know when it's going to happen, then, then it just makes it a little bit worse. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, can, re- I can really see that. I think because Easter kind of for, sometimes for Easter with people who are kind of where they're from, they don't think you, it's, it's one of the holidays you can almost not notice, but when, when you are kind of away from people, it's, it's a block of time when you can actually plan a, plan a visit around. And yeah, I mean, it's not that it's not that you care. It's not that like I'm not. It's not. I'm not religious. It's not like I specifically yeah, I, care I, care yeah. about the holiday of Easter. It was you know. Mm-hmm. It's just obviously that's just your next break, and you get like you'll get the long weekend or you'll get you know Good Friday and Easter Monday. So it's means it's a it's a it's it's hardly worth going home when it's just the weekend. You know, Saturday and Sunday, but mm-hmm. because you have the Thursday and you know the Monday, you could go home Wednesday night and come back you know, Monday evening. So you get like a bit of a junk at home. So it's, it's more about just the time off that you have to go as opposed to anything else. So obviously that was taken away from us. And now it's just a case of, uh, yeah, when's it going to happen again? I think for me too, it was because, uh, my niece was born in November and it's the first one. Mm. It was the first, it was the first grandchild. Like, uh, oh yes. Yeah. So I, I didn't have any other nieces or nephews. She was the first. And, uh, so I seen her at Christmas, and then, yeah, that's been it. So now she's nearly, now she's what, nearly six months old and mm-hmm. a completely a completely different baby than the one that I held who was a newborn, you know? So it's like, oh, yeah. Watching her, I'm, I'm having to watch her grow up essentially in videos and pictures. And yeah, that's a bit tough. That is tough. That's mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a, I can really see that. And as was in how, how, how we find things like we're, uh, we're recording this on Zoom right now. No, I know, yeah. But how has has that helped at all? Has as like you think about kind of what this um this kind of um the homesick experience may may have been like five years, fifteen years, first, but like it's has it helped? Has it really helped that much? I think for me it has. There's a fun a funny example as you might have seen on Twitter when I posted at um 
I had done a tweet like last night when I had too much wine and I tweeted about <laughs> miss tweeted about uh, wanting to hug my mammy uh-huh. and then <laughs> and then um ninety eight FM <laughs> posted it on Facebook. Oh yeah. And, oh, no. and then my mommy seen it mm-hmm. <laughs> on on Facebook and then so I just got those notifications and then she had tagged me in a comment on Facebook and replied saying, Oh, I can't remember what it was, but something like, Oh, I really wish I could have a hug from you too and I was like, No, this is dramatically or it's not and then um yeah, so I replied to that and it it engaged us in conversation again. It was something else to talk and then it led me to her led me to meet FaceTime and her after that. So it's just another example of how social media has done something good oh. because she got to see how I felt and then we FaceTimed and chatted for an hour and laughed. And yeah, it was nice. That is brilliant. Yeah. And That's uh, very cute. Yeah. This is this isn't the only time we've gone viral, so to speak. Recently we, we tend to think Mark Tog mentioned Irish Twitter at the top of the show. Um that the online uh, people online to kind of coalesce into certain communities, almost like online cities. One of which is maybe Irish Twitter. One of which is you know kind of these uh, kind of angry dads. But there's also a FBI at five hundred community, or so, so they're called. Oh, I did that, didn't I? You did. <laughs> you did. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I just think like, isn't that funny? Of all of all my ramblings, of all the weird crap I come out with. I had to go viral for a tweet about the hairdressers. Yeah. <laughs> I got tagged in so many things on Facebook and my cousins tagging me and you know all those really, really offline people. They're yeah. like, yeah. Oh my god, that's my cousin. I'm like, No, stop. Yeah. <laughs> so what's drawing? What should you say? What did I say? Yes. What in the tweet or to them? In the tweet, yes. Well, um I just I just said that I think hairdressers and nail salons need to be allowed to open at least a day before the pubs <laughs> which i which i stand by totally and think is fair Definitely. yeah i agree 100 percent. i don't like it i think the problem is that people took it like i was saying i want them open tomorrow like mm-hmm. that's not what i was saying i was saying like I mean, I hope this isn't the case, but like i mean if the pubs didn't open to christmas fine but i'm just mm-hmm. saying whatever date in christmas it is open the other ones the day before <laughs> like I wasn't trying to say we should open them faster but people got really angry about it it's it's funny because I think there's a there's a point when like a, a popular cheat crosses a line and people stop getting at people who don't understand jokes and uh, people who are just maybe looking for a scrap and you know, you obviously weren't saying I demand a nail salon to be open immediately for my beautiful nails or anything yeah. you're saying yes it was it was it was very clear and it's, it's almost like people see two words and actually, that's all they respond to, and they start mashing the keys in their weird responses. I know. Um, I got. I got the. If I could, I would demand the hair salons be open right now. Right. I know, Amy. I'm so glad that you said that, not me, because I've had enough abuse. <laughs> yeah, as in, like, I once had highlights, and now it's dip dye. Well, I need you to pray for me because I just got my email came through about ten minutes ago from Boots to tell me that my bleach is on its way. Oh right, okay, yeah. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna light a candle, candle for Kira yeah. now tonight. <laughs> so this is your first first time bleaching yourself, is it? Oh, absolutely. I used to have black hair, and now it's nearly blonde. So it's gonna be blonde, blonde tomorrow. So that's gonna be a thing. That's actually plan. That's my plan for when the hairdressers open. I'm sick of having dark hair. I'm just gonna say 
Bucket and Gobland. Well, the Irish for bleach is tour, which is? Tour. Tour. It's the same in all three, in, in Connacht, Munster and Ulster Irish. It's tour. So oh. there you have it. I'm, gl- I'm glad the superior one is actually aligned with the rest for a while so we don't take any <laughs> abuse about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I'm happy to yeah. say that. So, that <laughs> if anyone's wondering about, about Gruy Gatora, which is the, the bleaching of hair. And would an icy blonde, like, do you know when you get like an icy blonde, would that be a, a four tour or a tour four? That's actually brilliant, isn't it? The uh, an icy bleach job because it's a normally yeah. Yeah, like bleach is uh, blonde is fun. Because um, there are so many shades of blonde that you could be as well. Like I was only researching it there properly with all of my free time in lockdown, and I'm like, what kind of blonde do I want to go? And now I don't know because there are so many of them. Well, mine is. I'm going. I've gone for champagne blonde. See, that's oh. like that's a nice blonde. Yeah, I was going to say champagne is nice, but I've also bought because I don't trust myself, which is very fair and sensible. I've mm-hmm. also bought some like slightly darker shades. I bought like two boxes of like honey blonde. So like a darker, more slightly ready blonde, just in case I need to cover my whole head yeah. because of the shame. Fair. <laughs> fair. I mean, a nice headscarf. Yeah. I yeah. mean, where am I going anyway? Who cares? Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's um, that's also my plan for after lockdown. Um, and I'm going to try and figure out what icy blonde is in Irish. I think, yeah, so it's, uh, oh, let me just have a quick check if icy blonde or Hitchcock blonde even is, um, yeah, Fionn, so it's uh, Fionn Rocha. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's no actually existing term. So yeah, that doesn't you, roll off the tongue, that one. Can we come up with something better? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah we, we probably can. And if any of our listeners want to send that in, you can hit the motherfucker account. You can tweet at the Irish Four. <laughs> I'm going to stick with my, uh, my Tour Four. Tour Four sounds good See, to me. See, that sounds good. That sounds I, good. I, 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 that's not icy bleaching. So like a person with a natural yeah. blonde couldn't yeah, use that. Yeah. But would they? But well, they probably wouldn't have that shade of blonde if they were natural blonde anyway. Highly yeah. unlikely. Mm. Yeah. There we go. There's there we my go. We fixed it. We sorted yeah. it. <laughs> okay. And so, uh, Kira, before we wrap up, we do love to ask our um, we do love to ask our guests if they have a favorite Irish word. And I know you have often taken me to task online about uh, erasure of Ulster Irish. Sometimes I say how a word is pronounced. You're like. <laughs> Really, no, it's not how it's pronounced. North <laughs> any six counties looks at camera. Yes, this is my pet peeve. I and and I did go through a little phase of um, deciding to inverted commas here correct my Irish and um, <laughs> based on how the other provinces said it. I so I decided I've reverted back and I'm not doing that anymore. So for the likes of, um, so I remember. Remember the old school Vodafone advert that always said Connors yeah. Connors And yeah. then so I remember being a kid and thinking, oh, why are they saying that wrong? <laughs> 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 because because we always said Kore Moritatu, but even that was me overcorrecting because we did not say Kore Moritatu, we say Kaje Moritatu. Mm. <laughs> so I'm going back to it and I'm standing by it and it's Kaje Moritatu and you can always wish. Definitely. I mean, that's fair. 
And this is the thing, and this is because an awful lot of the most of what's very exciting Irish um, creativity in the Irish language is actually coming out of of the of the six county area at the moment. I'm just thinking, especially of Kneecap and also our recent guests, um, yeah, Mary yeah, the boys. and they the boys. would absolutely then like they've um, they are one of the most interesting bands in any language in Ireland at the moment, mm. and. Like certainly, uh, they've they've generated column inches. They've um they've scared some belly tally writers. Which um, even though all they want to do is you know rap and have fun. I mean, yes, they do just want to rap and have fun. But what I love about them is that they are they are very purposely controversial as well. Like yes. they do they do play on a lot of um, ongoing themes in the north to put this like relatively pleasantly. Um, <laughs> But I, no, I love them. I love them. And I love what they're doing, and I think, I think, the fact that they're bringing Irish to a lot of people in the north who might not have ever had the, the opportunity to have learned it in the first place. I mean, I was quite lucky. I mean, I think, I think, when it comes to Irish in the north, generally the rule is if you went to a Catholic Mintian school, uh, you probably did Irish. Like that was the thing. But even then it was only compulsory for the first three years. So you only had to do it the third year. And then um, when you were going into fourth year and choosing, you could choose between a list of like three languages. So it was kind of counted as a foreign language in the sense that it was like listed between like French and um, Spanish and stuff as well. So you, you could choose between those languages. You um, So a lot of people find Irish quite hard. So they... Mm looked at it from a practical perspective like for example i'm one of seven kids and i was the only one that kept it on to a level years so like all everybody else in my family the other six kids had dropped it by third year and i think that's what makes it essentially quite hard in the north too because there's just so many people that drop it at quite a young age because they're not forced to carry it on anymore so then you don't really have anyone to speak it to so that's a situation i find myself in by the age of 14 15 i had no one to speak irish to anymore yeah, I can see that that that, that can be frustrating, right? And it's uh, it's definitely a, a good cautionary note to anyone who thinks about kind of changing policy in that regard in the republic. Yeah, because I mean, well, like, I mean, I'm obviously, I don't, I don't really like the idea of. I, I would hope that people would just want to speak it. You know, mm. I don't really want to be in a situation where you're forcing people to do it against their will. But I hope if people see that, like, they know that if if you don't do that you just look at the north and it does have a history of just dying down so we don't want to get to a situation where it's just like you know no one's speaking anymore no it's definitely definitely not yeah okay so you're you're you're, you're having uh jmr taught you as your as your uh as your chosen irish word i think so just because it has it's had so much abuse i'm not i'm not even going caught him or attacked him going kajay i'm doing full donegal proper glad to hear it yeah. <laughs> and our our Doug and Tony Gall and listeners in the in, in yeah fact, I'm going uh, I'm going counties. Maharordi I'm going Maharordi Loch and Yuri they'll all appreciate that definitely is there anything you'd like to plug before uh, we go actually yes, before we go you have been doing some um, some work recently some very interesting work in terms of community support which um, we uh, maybe our listeners would be very interested in yes that is one thing I would like to plug I basically um. I guess a couple of weeks ago now, I found myself with a small bit of extra cash during lockdown just because I hadn't been going to the pubs. <laughs> and I, it's amazing how much money you save when you're not spending your whole wages on, locked, on, on pubs. Yes. Um, so I just 
not to, to act like I'm some kind of patient saint, but just asked if anybody was maybe struggling and needed like supplies for nappies and stuff. And I had a few people uh, message me back and once it got to maybe three or four people replying, it got past the stage of where I was personally able to help them because I'm not minted. It was literally a few extra quid that I had. And so I didn't want to leave people disappointed. So I just decided to create a PayPal pool where uh, other people could just contribute if they supported the cause and wanted to also help other people. Um, the only thing was, I guess, I gave out about maybe 1200 quid in personal contributions to just people who were struggling with like you know waiting on benefits to come in who just lost their job and all of that kind of stuff people who had families and were trying to feed their kids um I did get informed I guess despite some friends that uh it probably wasn't the best move in terms of just giving it to individuals because there's just a whole lot of red tape around that um so then we moved on to just fundraising for community groups and food banks. So we've currently raised about seven and a half grand, close to eight. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's amazing work. We raised, uh, in fairness, we raised the first, I think the first five grand of it was raised in five hours in the first day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so it slacked off after that. I think people had like donation apathy. <laughs> so, but which is fair enough. It was a it was a massive effort to the first few hours. So I mean, you can't say I would be against that. Uh, I think the only problem I have in now is like realizing like how many groups need help. So it's like I'm trying to be geographically fair about it and what money has gone to where and where else it needs to go to. And I'm thinking, oh, have I sent too much to Belfast versus somewhere in England? And it's like. Yeah, it's just trying to work out now. There's about there's about two and a half grand left in the pot. So hopefully I can get that out and maybe we can kick off a thing like once a month or so uh, to get some more money in it because I don't want to be doing it like promoting it every day because people will just be like, oh, there's Kira with her fundraising link again. You know? Yeah, <laughs> of course. That's, that's an amazing thing that you were able to raise that much money that quickly for people. Thank you. And particularly because sometimes the traditional supports um, aren't always as responsive to... To, to new needs the responsive to old needs because yeah that's I mean like, I, I'd be, yeah like I prefer food banks didn't have to exist they're quite a, I think I find them like quite a dystopian thing in the first place to have to have a food bank in the first place but like yeah. as long as they are here I'm obviously like yeah they're doing good work and they need support brilliant um Karen McShane thank you so much for joining us Thank you very much for having me. Uh, where can people um, find out this about your your, your PayPal pool? Um, I will, if you direct, if we can direct people to my Twitter, I will, after we finish this, I will repost and pin the tweet that uh, links the pool. And your Twitter is Kira87C. That's the one. Excellent. So please do um, check that out uh, for a good cause. Uh, so, Kira, um, Gramiel Malagatagaslang, go. Until the next time, it's a slant from me. It's a slant from me. Slant from me. Mind yourselves and take care, everyone. Hello. This is just myself here.